1: Hey there, Gary Parish. Welcome back to the CBS Sports Eye on College Basketball Podcast where we sometimes discuss camel fighting dodo birds, leaky black. The Eye on College Basketball Podcast is presented a FanDuel Sportsbook, make every moment more. Matt Norlanda is here with me. If you're watching on YouTube, smash the like button. Brandon Davies, you have consent, and don't forget while you're here. Also, subscribe to the CBS Sports College Basketball YouTube channel if you haven't done that already. Let's get into it. The most interesting game on Thursday night's schedule. It's a battle between historically strong in-state rivals. One headed one direction, the other headed quite another direction. Final score, Kentucky 95, Louisville 75 dead leg did that do it for kenny Payne, or is louisville gonna let this disaster continue to unfold in a very public and embarrassing way
0: good morning gp good morning
1: how you doing i'm okay i'm okay. good no no santa hat all right that's all right you know yeah i didn't uh yeah I, it, it didn't occur to me that Christmas is just right around the corner. It, it, it is. You get, did you get your shopping done? Have you, I mean, yeah, I, I'm aware of it. It just didn't. As I was preparing for a podcast, it was I was more focused on UCLA and Maryland.
0: Yeah. Well. Yeah, that's uh that equates to a bunch of coal in the stocking. We will get to UCLA and Maryland later in the show. Uh, happy holidays to everyone if you're listening to this as you travel uh, to see friends and loved ones. We appreciate you spending some time with us. And uh, we got plenty of hoops to talk to. Kentucky-Louisville is absolutely um, the place we got to start here because it was the most recent event. Um, Game was whatever, to be honest. I I actually thought it could have been worse. I thought Louisville, you know, the fact that it wasn't a a complete runaway. It was more like Kentucky played the game in third gear, did what it needed to do. um, And, you know, it seemed like the building... I I saw a few photos, some reports on the ground. It seemed like it was... Close to fifty-fifty. So Louisville fans actually did show up in decent numbers there. And then as we as we talk here on Friday morning in the nine a.m. Eastern hour, uh, you know, we don't have any update on Kenny Payne. Um, my sense, I mean, this can always change, of course. My sense is that there Correct. will not be a sever here uh, on Friday, um, in part because I was told, you know, as 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 happens. I mean, I was at the Duke-Baylor game. We'll get to that in a little bit, but after that game. You know, Duke had like half its roster going in different directions for the Christmas break. And so Louisville's team uh, either has dispersed or will soon disperse to, to go their own ways for their for their Christmas holiday. And, you know, if there is going to be a change, typically, typically uh, you gather the team so you can have, you know, you try and handle this the right kind of way. Um, and I don't know if, listen, Louisville decided not to fire Kenny Payne in advance of the Kentucky game. You and I thought that wasn't the right move. Uh, but because of that, it may just delay this a day or two or until after Christmas, um, who, who the heck knows? I mean, they, they, they opted to keep him there, uh, for the Kentucky game and it hasn't changed the sentiment whatsoever. Calipari had some obviously nice things to say about his, his former colleague, his former, uh, you know, his longtime friend and who was, you know, the lead lead assistant on uh, Kentucky's best teams um, and doesn't think that he should be uh, given a pink slip. And I understand all that, but um, I'm not, I'm not sure if, if Kenny's going to coach another game, if he does, I'll say this kind of asking around if he does, um, it will be because of uh, how respected he is as a person, his place in the program's history. And, Everything tied to him even coming aboard to begin with. Um, you know, that's that's where we stand right now, GP. Um, so we wait and see, but it was Thursday night went about as well or not well as we expected, I guess.
1: Louisville's down to 185th at Ken Palm now. Started the season 109th, now 185. So even with poor expectations in the preseason, they have underperformed Relative to those last season, by the way, started ninety first at Ken Palm, finished two hundred ninetieth. Kenny Payne's down nine and thirty five as Louisville's coach. He's one and twenty one against top one hundred Ken Palm teams. Eight and fourteen against sub one hundred Ken Palm teams. And I've heard some people wonder, sort of, well, what what would be the point of even doing it now? And I think there's a lot of points to doing it now, or to have, you know, already doing it um, would have been preferable. The main reason is because we wouldn't be sitting here talking about it right now. Like I think if you go to YouTube to watch the Ion College Basketball podcast this morning, the the cover is Kenny Payne, trending on Twitter this morning, Kenny Payne. You could eliminate all of that.
0: The AD was trending on Twitter last
1: night. That is the point of doing it now, to end all of that. I don't remember having very many conversations or even thoughts about any game David Padgett coached as the interim coach at Louisville. Once you move on, it it ends people asking, when are you going to do it? Are you going to do it? And all of the focus turns to... Who's going to be next, as opposed to the result of any individual game? If Louisville loses another game with Kenny Payne, he'll be trending again, and we, we'll be having the, the same kind. Comp- Maybe we won't lead with it anymore. Please but, no. <laughs> but but at, at some point, it'll be like so. Hey, dead leg, real quick before we get to the final four and one. Louisville lost again last night. So like, how much longer are you going to? think We will never stop, and the the Louisville fans will never stop. College basketball fans will never stop, and if I'm in charge of Louisville, that's why he does not coach another game. Like I, I should not know right now that Louisville's next game is at Virginia on January 3rd, but but I do know that. <laughs> like I, I shouldn't know that, but you're I ashamed. know that
0: you're ashamed. You're ashamed to know Louisville. I'm ashamed, ashamed that I know football. that.
1: Okay. And if if Louisville had already moved on and had an interim coach, I would not know that. And so that's it. I know it might sound backwards to some people. I think the most respectful and kindest thing Louisville could do is tell Kenny Payne, we're going to pay you every penny. We owe you. We gave it our best shot. Everybody understands this is not working and we don't want to have to watch you continue to go out there and and answer questions about this because at this point there aren't, there aren't any good answers.
0: Yeah. Um, Louisville has been sub 500 since the loss to DePaul. Um, It's been, it was sub 500 before that, but now it's, it's five and seven. And from a practical standpoint, I mean, there's just, you know, at Virginia home against a pit team, which is solid. We'll see if it's tournament quality or not. Then they're at Miami at UNC two days, two games after that. The point I'm making here is like, this just isn't going to get to a point where Louisville can get its head back above water from a record standpoint. And we will wait and see on that. Um, from a uh, podcast programming perspective, oh, by the way, for our for our folks out there that are listening, um, you know, Sunday is Christmas Eve, so we will not have our typical Sunday show. There's just there's also not going to be a ton there. Uh, if and when the pain news breaks, oh, to be determined on when you'll get a show about that, and if you will, because we've talked about it plenty. Uh, I honestly, if it happens, like I don't. <laughs> What what would we say in that moment? So um, while typically if there's a coaching change, depends on, I guess how it would go and, and the flow of the news, but if there's a coaching change there, we may well just address it on our next regularly scheduled show. Um, oh, by the way, we will have a special mailbag edition uh, next week as well, but that's, you know, that's separate to any kind of pain stuff. So just a, a heads up for folks that sometimes expect uh, a relatively quick drop on news because of the calendar, because of GP's holiday schedule, because of my holiday schedule when we may or may not be home, just don't exactly bank on us. To, uh, we're not dropping everything um, over the Christmas holiday to uh, to give you you know 13 minutes on Louisville firing. Can kind I of paint if it happens?
1: Kentucky Louisville was not the only notable result from the past couple of days. There were more. We're going to touch on some of them next. But first, I'm going to need somebody to drop a word from my partner on top of me.
2: Get your quote today at progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust progressive progressive casualty insurance company and affiliates price and coverage match limited by state law.
1: All right, deadley we've been through Kentucky Louisville. What else do we need to know from the past couple of days? Well, let's
0: uh, Thursday was mostly uh, nothing too notable um, for the most part. A lot of the stuff was on, was on Wednesday, although I do want to, uh, I do want to wish well wishes uh, because we had uh, Old Dominion uh, play in Hawaii. Jeff Jones suffered a heart attack. He is recovering. Um, ODU played TCU, and, and the Diamond Head Classic is ongoing as it always is around Christmas. So, uh, Jeff Jones, a longtime coach at uh, at ODU and American before that, um, he is recovering uh, after taking the trip out there. So, want to send best wishes to him. Um, that was a, a notable occurrence that happened on Thursday. From in, in terms of uh in terms of games, I was at the garden on Wednesday, but can we start? So we should talk Duke Baylor, Carolina, Oklahoma. Nada was there, by the way. Um, Nova Creighton, but Seton Hall, U- UConn, I think is where I'd like to start because that game was on CBS Sports Network. You were in studio. I had it up on the screen as I was watching Duke Baylor in person. Seton Hall wins 75 to 60. Um, I was stunned. By the way, Seton Hall won. I actually thought going in, Seton Hall had a chance. I was talking with one of our HQ producers because I had a I had a scheduled hit the next morning, and we were going down. What should we talk about? And in UConn, Seton Hall wasn't on the rundown. Then I was like, make make space in case we need it because I think there's a you know there's a decent chance Seton Hall might actually win this thing uh, on its home floor. That wound up happening. Klingon got hurt, was limping to the locker room, returned to the huddle, and then was still kind of walking gingerly afterward. Uh, we don't have an update from Hurley as of our taping here. We may well, we probably are going to get one with the media later today, but guess what? We're taping the show when we're taping the show. Uh, 75 to 60. You were in studio. You watched the whole game. Your takeaways on what transpired there and, and you know, Shaheen Holloway getting um,
1: easily his most notable win of the season so far. First, uh, Big East not taking care of the reigning national champs. Make them open and Big East play on the road. You putting that on Trzeszky as well? Yes, he's, he's doing the scheduling. Yes,
0: for not the so Big happy East. with the fact that UConn's the only other program other than Duke to to match uh, him in titles over the span that Duke's won the same amount of national championships. You that's per, that's
1: precisely down. right. And he said, that's "Okay, true. okay, they trying to they trying to match me championship for championship. Watch this. Go play at the Prudential Center to open Biggie's play. After and, and oh, look at what they did to Marquette. Sent Marquette to Providence. Open Biggie's play. That league's not taking care." of not taking care of its top teams. Put that on a message board somewhere. It's not.
0: Well, we've had a lot of upside down stuff. You you know, you got that. We're going to get to Creighton in a second. Providence took care of Marquette. So the preseason top three, they're all at the bottom of the standings
1: right now, G. It's it's, it's a wild situation in the Big East. I I thought you kind of just didn't show up. They just didn't play. Um, You know, they had met every moment so far this season, and they just did not meet that moment. It is true the game was much closer than the final score when Donovan Clingham went out. It was a four-point game when he went out. So maybe he never suffers what was subsequently described as a right ankle sprain. Then perhaps we're talking about UConn still in the top five and off to a 1-0 start in the Big East. But what happened happened, and Seton Hall kind of pulled away from UConn in the second half, and it was – clearly the worst performance from the reigning champs so far this season. And afterward, I wasn't surprised to hear Dan, you know, frustrated. He's like, you know, they just out physical us. And now, you know, this is a big time Big East basketball game. And Seton Hall showed up. I'm paraphrasing here, but he more or less said Seton Hall showed up looking like they knew they were in a Big East basketball game. And we showed up thinking we were doing something different, I guess.
0: Yeah, I, I just listen. Credit to Seton Hall for getting that win. In fact, I think it's the kind of win that can enable some conversation that if if you know it wasn't projected to be an NCAA tournament team, but you know whether it's Seton Hall, Providence, we'll see on St. John's, um, it at least opens the door for you know the Big East to uh, to have maybe maybe more than five NCAA tournament teams. We'll see. Um, one quote Hurley had after the game was to have one of my teams in a conference opener go on the road and perform like this. I'm having a hard time even looking. Uh you guys meaning the media in the eyes when you ask me a question, there's a real feeling of shame here. He also, I don't have the quote in front of me, but I saw it pop up on my uh, timeline. He basically said uh practice was going to be a
1: nightmare the right. next day. Uh which yeah, I he, he took it hard and I understood. I understood. Yeah. And um you you know, like One of the things I said on, because we were, you know, we had a 30 minute inside college basketball after the game. And one of the points I made, I'll just trivia time. You trivia time.
0: Okay. Give it to me.
1: UConn just lost to an unranked Big East team on the road. Yeah. How many road games in the Big East did UConn lose last season before winning the national championship?
0: Don't tell me it's zero. I feel like they definitely, I feel like they lost one at Seton Hall.
1: I'm not gonna tell you it's zero. Okay. Don't worry about that. Don't tell me it's zero. I'm not. I was never going to. Uh, what the hell? Oh, they had the dip. I'll say two. Five. It was five. <laughs> so like let's so like relax. And I really do five. think okay. I, I really do think that is helpful. Yeah. You know, once you get the shame out of it. And, and put some time between the final buzzer and your reality now, and all those immediate feelings are gone, I think if you're Dan, you can sit down with your guys and be like, all right, that sucked, but we like we lost five games on the road in this league last season and still proved to be the best team in the country, yeah. won a national championship. This ain't that big of a deal. I think there's a message in there somewhere you could probably use.
0: I think so. We're going to get to UConn in the final four and one. Uh, Huskies play St. John's. Let's move along here. Um, Duke Baylor. Duke wins 78-70 at the Garden. Uh, just the second time these two schools had ever met. The first time was 2010 uh, in Houston. The Elite Eight. John Shire was a senior. Um, he and Nolan Smith played tremendously well. Uh, Shire actually pointed it out after the game. I guess someone on the Duke staff had told him. There was like some spooky coincidences with this. This game was 78-70. The one in 2010 was 78-71. Both games were tied at 61 in the second half and Duke ensued on an 11-1 run. To kind of to kind of pull away there, Um, sitting in the post game press conference, it was evident how much this meant to Shire and the players. I had written going into the game Wednesday, you know how big the game felt, uh, the matchup for for Duke's end. I I thought it was arguably the most uh, key matchup of the week, maybe with the most on the line because Duke was going to stare down a seven and four record if it lost. And that would have been its second worst opening in the first 11 games of a season since Krzyzewski was a third year coach at Duke or second year coach at Duke. Uh, But they dodged that and they get uh, a quad one win over a good team. I'll give you thoughts on Baylor in just a second here. But what I, what I actually thought was most important was Kyle Filipowski was fine. Uh, he was average, I guess. Uh, he was he was an important factor on the floor. If he wasn't available for the entire game, maybe Baylor wins instead of loses. Uh, but he is not the reason that Duke won this game. And they still didn't have Tyrese Proctor. Shire said, oh, by the way, he's probably going to return for Duke's next game. That's against Queens College and, or Queens University in like a week, I think. Um, but Jared McCain... Uh, played poised. He played the most minutes he had played in the game. Caleb Foster had some good moments. Jeremy Roach played well. Roach said in the post game, he had not been acting in the role as a leader that he thinks he should have been. And, you know, whatever that means that had changed as of late. And, uh, and you certainly saw it there, but Shire, he was, you know, beaming with pride over, not just winning, but how they won—they they really they pulled away late on him, GP and for Baylor, um, talked to Scott Drew a little bit afterward, and wh- the one thing he was frustrated on um, was that you would insinuate he would ever use the language "mother f and p." Obviously, he led with that. Um, but uh, but beside that, the turnovers—he not like,
1: even in the second half the other night. <laughs> I
0: don't think so. I, I don't. I think I did. So. I used it. I, I'm sure you did. I'm sure you did. <laughs> Um, I thought about bringing it up, but I was like, "The other guy just lost a game. I'm not gonna. <laughs> Someone's gonna let Scott Drew." In if
1: you the- could ever bring up something that light with a coach right after he lost the game, it would be Scott. But I think you still made the right decision. <laughs> I
0: did someone, someone will un- unquestionably find him on this. But regardless, he said we had like five terrible turnovers. Like, if we don't have, like, of course, if we don't have them to change. But he's like, in my, he he's, he was saying, if that does not happen, like. Then it's a toss-up game. But we had him. um, And some of it, uh, and these are my words, not his, but I think some of it sometimes, like Ray J. Dennis is a good player, but sometimes you get guys who are mid-major players they transfer up and they get a team like Duke which has NBA guys and like, you know, big boy players. And over the course of a 40 minute game, sometimes that can just catch up to you and you, you might need a couple of reps to get used to it there. Uh, also, Baylor just has defensive issues. Like, it can't, like, Eve Missy had another nice game. He's had a couple of really good ones so far this season. It hasn't been an every game kind of thing, but it can't be just him playing um, high end defense there. And they, you know, they went a little cold after averaging more than 90 for the first, what, nine games of the season. Baylor didn't even crack 70 against Michigan state. And then it got, it got its water turned off, uh, with with exactly 70 against, against Duke. So I still like Baylor long term. Got to figure a few things out. Um, they weren't passing the ball as well as they had been in recent games. And Drew told me he didn't think like guys aren't uncertain of what their role should be. But I just, I just happen to think that like Dennis is the most vocal guy. Jacoby Walter is an awesome talent, but he's not going to command the huddle. They just got to figure out a few things there. Um, good win for Duke quick thoughts from you on uh, on the result at the garden
1: I think Baylor's going to be one of these teams where I go into league play with them with a question mark like okay is this really a top 15 team or is this really a top 35 team and we'll find out in big 12 play they've got right now like some some not the best wins in the country but they beat an Auburn team that's top 10 at Ken Palm in the season opener they beat the Seton Hall team that just beat UConn on the other hand Michigan state was really struggling and then beat them by 24 and Duke just beat them. And the only other decent team Duke's beaten all year is Michigan state. So how do you balance all that out?
0: I mean, to be determined, Baylor could be a team that is going to have, you know, three or four excellent quad one wins on the, on the schedule and then might just drop, a few, there's not really many bad games in the, in the big 12 GP. Um, and I don't have their schedule up, but like, you know, do they go to UCF and, and do they randomly just like lose that game? That might be the case there, but I mean, I had a preseason top five. I I was still very, very in on them. They do go to UCF by the way, at the end of January there. I just think they might have a couple of those. Like they go to West Virginia. Um, the offense is really good. I the defense I think on the whole is better than it was a season ago, but there's still concerns there. And, you know, the best three point shooting team in the country, 44%, uh, 44 and change really right now. Um, can they sustain that? Will they sustain that? Uh, they've got, a. they played, a, they played a night. They play Mississippi Valley state. It's the final game at the Farrell center. And then, uh, this is kind of cool. They're opening up their new building, uh, on January 2nd against Cornell. And then they'll start league play a couple days after that. But, uh, We'll, get to, we'll talk about that on a future show, but it's—I it's, think it's kind of cool that they're—they're—they're they're, they're opening it uh, in the midst of a season, and it's not like it's like seventy-eight hundred people capacity. Love it. It's, Love gonna it. Be, it's going to be—it's going to—it's going to be an incredible. Here is my projection because I, I was looking at some mockups again when I when I saw some paler people. On Wednesday, um, it looks like it's going to look incredible on TV. The student section has been strategically placed, and because of where Drew has the Baylor program, like every game is going to be a sellout because the Farrell Center was fine, but uh, it actually big for them. outdated really quickly for a, for a building that was opened in '88. Um, this is going to be tremendous, and it very well may have a, a huge impact on Baylor's home court advantage this season.
1: Every college basketball program outside of like five to ten should have a 7,800 on-campus arena. Like, like the smaller, the better. You start thinking about the greatest environments in college basketball. Yes, Allen Fieldhouse is big. Assembly Hall's big. Mm-hmm. After that, Cameron Indoor, small. The Kennel, small. Neville Arena down at Auburn, small. Mm-hmm. The smaller, the better. You create the – like – yeah. There are there are plenty of programs when everything is going well when everything is perfectly going perfectly yeah you can fill up 14,000 15,000 16,000. But I've always been more interested in if I were running if I were in charge of this type of stuff how do I make sure my games always look great? Not look great when we are great, but always look great. Mm-hmm. Downsize the supply, create more demand, boom. The Kennel looks great every game. doesn't matter who they're playing. It looks great every game. If, if the Kennel was 15,000, it would not look great every game. But because it's very small, it looks great every game. I love that Baylor went downsized. Yeah, Everybody should be downsizing except for maybe Kansas.
0: Well, like UConn's got it right. UConn's, gamble's like, well, first of all, UConn's got two buildings. So I'm not including the XL Center, but Gampel's like 10 and change. So it's not small. It's not big, but it feels just right. Um, there are some schools where it fits in there, but Baylor absolutely played this the right way. Eager to see that on TV. Eager to hopefully get to, to see it in person at some point sooner than later. Let's uh, let's talk Carolina. Oklahoma, o- OU gets dropped from the uh, the ranks of the unbeaten. Carolina. I saw this and I can't. I want to credit where I can't. Where I remember where I saw it. Carolina. Just credit uh, me. Just credit me. I will not. Uh, Arkansas. So how about this? And I don't know if Nova's in this or not. I don't think it is. Maybe it is though. Going back on the schedule. Arkansas. Tennessee. Florida State, Connecticut. So Florida State doesn't qualify. Connecticut, Oklahoma, uh, and Kentucky. Maybe Nova's in there. I think they played six of the past seven games against ranked opponents. And that had never happened in school history where they had played at least six ranked opponents in a seven-game span. I guess in the regular season, because you play in the NCAA tournament, you figure that's probably going to be the case. Uh, but I saw that. And, I, and I, when, I, when I saw that, I thought, you know what? That's actually that's a good note, because UNC right now is 8-3, and three. It was able to convincingly beat uh, the Sooners. I-, I was at the Garden, and then I was writing, so I actually watched. I watched some of this, like here and there. Um, Nada, if you could turn on your mic real quick. You were in the building, Nada. By the way, producing a show real quick. He's gonna fly across the pond later today, so we appreciate you uh, getting in some morning work before you uh, you head on over to Abbey Road. Uh, quick thought, quick takeaway: since you were actually there and got
3: to see what the Tar Heels uh, were able to do, the Sooners quick thought um there was a the biggest takeaway i have is carolina's got an issue at center with baycott and that's going to be a problem for them later especially since porter and oklahoma basically put baycott in the pick and roll and then the other big thing is rj davis probably should be front runner for at least second team all-american at this point
0: yeah, I saw a little bit of that afterward. Um, I did not have... And this was... This was an oversight. So Wednesday, I put up my top 10 National Player of the Year uh, rankings. Davis was not in my top 10. Now, I should have had him there. I had Kolic, like 10, though. Um, I did put Southern Illinois' leading scorer, who leads the country in scoring, on that list. So you want to bump him for RJ Davis? I'm not. Gonna, I'm not going to argue with it after fact, but particularly because he had this performance after that published. There, um, he went for 23 points. Uh, by all accounts, was outstanding. Your Baycott note nada is interesting because um, I won, He oddly hit a three in this game, I guess, but uh, but he was ranked number two on our preseason top 101 list. That was a misfire. I thought that Baycott would have. Uh, such a statistically dominant season for a Carolina team that got it to act back together, which in, in many ways it has, but that's really not what's happening here. Uh, he he is still valuable. Don't get me wrong. I mean, from a, from a rebounding perspective, they need him, uh, but not a one more follow up for you here. So, despite the fact that UNC won and they won with some with some cushion there, um, whether what you saw there on on Wednesday or in the big picture, you just think that uh, Baycotts. I don't want to say his ability, but maybe his impact uh, for Carolina from a winning perspective has maybe been reduced because of the cast around him with Cormac Ryan, obviously Harrison Ingram, Elliot Cadeau. You just don't think they're using him or need him in the way that maybe
3: they did the past couple of years. No, I'm saying if they want to get to where they want to get to, which is final four, they need him to be better, but unfortunately he's not. And then on top of that, you mentioned Cormac Ryan, Cormac Ryan has not been good either. And, at some point, they're going to need him to start hitting threes because it's starting to look kind of bad. He has not had a good shooting year this thus far. Hopefully, when ACC play starts, maybe he gets it together.
0: All right. I want to remind folks: UNC is eight and three and did just play 6th ranked opponents in a seven games. I- yeah, that's what I was
1: about to say. Like, y'all reel down on them. Like, <laughs> they've beaten they beat Tennessee, beaten Oklahoma. The losses are overtime to Nova. Connecticut and Kentucky all on neutrals I'm like I I was actually feeling pretty good about North Carolina
0: (laughs) I will we'll we'll see I listen one part of the pod was there in person I want to at least give him uh, a something he and to be fair with Nada he was miles ahead of us on UNC a season ago miles ahead I'll remember when we finally admitted it he said welcome (laughs)
3: <laughs> so so i don't will... recall i don't recall that at <laughs> I all i do recall i don't uh, think i remember that at all i wouldn't expect you to recall that gp <laughs> i don't that's not in my memory okay that's not a memory uh, i carry around with me
0: oklahoma 10 and 1 uh you take the loss either you know, whatever they're going to play central arkansas next week to wrap up non-league schedule play i guess or they got Monmouth. they still got two more games what um i guess that's on account of the big 12's league schedule which will change next season but uh but you know, Oklahoma's done well for itself, and I thought that was a good right gamer or a needed opportunity for uh, for UNC there. Um, other one of note on Wednesday, and this one, so so Nova beats Creighton. GPU in studio, I got to lean on you for this because um, I saw a little bit as I was like finishing up writing, packing up, and then I had to drive home. Um, there was uh, there was some chatter over some sort of review at the end of the game, and I don't know if that helped or hurt. Creighton in the moment they were honoring Doug McDermott, um, but Nova gets it to OT and picks off just an incredibly valuable win. It, it is building one of the most, I mean, Team Chaos resume. I guess it's lost at Penn, lost to St. Joseph, lost to Drexel. We talked about all that stuff, and then it lost at the buzzer or near buzzer in a heartbreaker against K State. Um, it's got a win over UCLA. That doesn't mean anything, but it gets the win at Creighton. Has beaten Maryland. That doesn't mean anything. Uh, but Texas, UNC, Memphis are also on the on the note. So Nova's eight and four here. I don't know what to make of this team. Um, but I do know that is a a very very good win and the rare case of uh, of Creighton getting knocked off uh at home where it was like you know a comfortable favorite. also, also was the first time Baylor Shireman did not make a three pointer as a Blue Jay. Your thoughts on what transpired there? Uh, out in omaha
1: surprising you know i was i was in that building for doug mcdermott's senior day we carried that game on cbs sports network i was on the sideline if i remember correctly it was creighton providence because i remember ed cooley going through shoot around t- and it was and it was a great shoot around like the attention to detail was tremendous and it was really like impressive um i walked out of there um, impressed by the attention to detail. And it was all about here and we can't let him get here and we gotta force him over here and we gotta take this away. And then he went in and like scored 40 something. <laughs> and the place was on fire. And it was just it was one of those nights where I've been to a lot of stuff, a lot of stuff at this point in my career. And you know, you you can get a little numb to it, sadly, after a while, like, oh great, Cameron indoor again, huh? Um, but but I that was one where for yourself, dude. No, I mean, like the first time you go there and it's like, wow, this is it. I've been watching this place on TV my whole life. This is it. And then the 50th time you're there, it's like, so where do they have those little coupons where you can go grab a hot dog real quick? You know, it's one of those deals. They
0: do have Uh, that set up at Cameron. Yeah, they still got the uh, head head on over and and the person who's got, you know. Chem 203 tomorrow morning, we'll we'll be hooking you up with some, with some peanut M&Ms and, uh, and a little... So you,
1: you walk in and the concession... Stand, it looks like you walk into a high school gym and there's yeah. a little concession stand. They're selling like popcorn. Yeah,
0: that is the setup there.
1: Yeah. yeah, it's the setup. So my point is like, I, I don't want to speak for everybody. I just have found myself. You can get a little numb to it. And I, what I'm trying to say is that that night in Omaha, I was like, I'm glad I was here. Like this was a really cool thing to experience. Doug with his family, Greg with his son, the whole deal. So I'm like... Well, there ain't no way Creighton's losing this one. <laughs> also, hey, first time the big a uh, Big East team had won on the road this season. Biggest teams are now one in four mm. on the road, and that's with you know two of the best Marquette and UConn playing games against lower ranked or unranked teams on the road games. They were favored to win on the road. Even they lost uh, both of theirs. So I'm shocked, yes, that Villanova would go in there and win under these circumstances. But I guess probably shouldn't be because Villanova has been the weirdest team. Like that's the way to put it. The weirdest team. As somebody who looks at bodies of work every single morning, I don't know if you know this. I rank 26 teams every morning. Uh, have you heard? I have heard. Okay.
0: I so, feel like you might get a couple of days off your upcoming
1: though. So congrats. No days off okay really no days off yeah yeah no days off man christmas
0: cookies and ranking teams on december 24th that's going uh, down
1: yeah i wake up we open presents and then my my kids are like daddy can you come outside and play i'm like will you shut up i gotta rank 26 teams i don't have any idea what to do with villanova
0: can you shut the hell up i gotta figure out where fau is going right now kids. are you are Me you do. are you
1: go just go get on your ipad
0: you do what you got to do. I'm going to sort data on Kentucky.
1: Thank you. I got to figure out what to do with these Villanova Wildcats. As somebody who looks at these resumes every morning, I don't know. You, It's by far the weirdest. Wins over North Carolina, Memphis, Creighton, and Texas Tech. Losses to Penn, St. Joe's, Drexel, Kansas State. Can't beat anybody in Philadelphia. Can basically beat anybody outside of Philadelphia. They have. You ready for this? You will not find another team like this. They have four top 45 Ken wins and four sub 65 Ken losses.
0: Mm, man, that's going to be just a resume all over the place. And I'm here for it. I, I enjoy. We, and usually- we get
1: one of these every year. Yeah, yeah. Every year, there's a team like this that has like this. You don't know what to do with them. I know. Um, every time you think they're good, they lose to somebody who's not good. And every time you think they're not good, they go out and beat somebody who's clearly great. I'll tell you what, um, this game is not in the final four and one Nova turns
0: around and plays at DePaul. So it didn't even fly back to the, IU. Uh, I dare, dare them. I dare them to go screw that up. I know they play at DePaul on Saturday. You dare, don't dare them. They might take you up on it after that. They've got three straight at home. Meantime, Creighton, uh, it gets to sit and stew on this one for 10 days. It plays at Marquette. In fact, three of its next four are on the road. Although two of those roadies are Georgetown and DePaul, but the home one is Providence. So we'll see, uh, we'll see how Creighton aligns itself in league play. That's, uh, that's most of Wednesday. Yes. Arizona played Bama. We will invoke that, uh, thoughts on that in the final form one, before we get to our partners, I did want to at least mention, uh, GP didn't have this in the rundown, but your guy broke a little news on Wednesday. So we'll, uh, so we'll, we'll talk about this real quick. The WCC helped itself out, uh, in a major way i think by getting oregon state washington state the presidents and ad's voted that officially in on thursday so uh for a quick recap on this oregon state and washington state had previously agreed to a one-year conference affiliation in football with the mountain west um there was looming speculation for a number of weeks that that would also be a formality in all other sports but the reality of it is that um because of financial considerations and some legal stuff, although coincidentally enough on Thursday, the PAC 12 schools, all 12 of them announced that they had figured out a way to settle and there was going to be no further litigation because this thing was potentially going to get pretty messy. Um, that part got resolved and how, what it means for the future of Oregon state and Washington state controlling the PAC 12 slash PAC two, the two pack, the Tupac um, we will see, but that did get resolved and that's not an insignificant thing. All that said, all Olympic sports, basketball included, will play in the WCC for the next two seasons. That means uh, a couple things. One, Oregon State-Washington State, those games will count in the league standings. They are going to play in the WCC postseason tournament, which uh, is going to get a change in terms of how it's built from a bracket perspective. We don't know what that is yet, but that will change uh, because Gonzaga has wanted it for a number of years. The WCC has been on a 16-game schedule. That will change to either 18 or 20, 11-team uh, league uh for now you could do round robin 20 game schedule we'll see we'll see if Gonzaga pushes back on that they're going to go to at least 18 so you'll have that as well um it will be a two season deal and then we will see if the WCC can in effect rent to own with these two teams or if eventually Oregon State and Washington State can figure out a way to form its own new conference with West Coast Alliances maybe that's a melding with the Mountain West who the hell knows? All I know is the WCC lost BYU as a nine-team league this season, and this is a good short-term victory. It all comes, oh, by the way, where we're still waiting on Gonzaga, Big 12. Will it happen? Won't it happen? It doesn't seem like the momentum is heading toward the way where it would happen. So um, there we have it. That's a big win for the new uh, Commissioner Stu Jackson, who was with the Big East for a long time. And I understand that Wazoo and Oregon State are they're put in a terrible situation, and they're not like longtime hoops powers. But in the context of the WCC, I actually think this is a good thing for those programs for the next two seasons because I could see a situation where at least one of them, depending on how they perform, puts themselves in a situation where like they might be a bubble team. They could be in the WCC could you know flirt with being a three bid league. And that's a a major development because without him, it would nowhere near be on the table. So a little news update uh, off the court this week with some conference realignment.
1: Well, Washington State is 65th at Ken Palm, and that would make them a top four team in the WCC right now. So if nothing else, it provides Gonzaga and St. Mary's with another not-so-bad game on the schedule in January or February or early March, do you think, and then we'll move on. This has any impact on what Gonzaga would do from a league affiliation. Like, Hey, we were thinking about going, but this is the type of thing that might keep us hanging around or it doesn't, does it matter to if you're, if you're on campus at Gonzaga, does what happened here, does that even factor into your decision-making process?
0: Uh, ooh, um, maybe very, very little um, because I, I, I honestly don't know what to expect after these next two seasons with the WCC and with Oregon State and Washington State. My guess is because there are so there is still so much money, and this is, you know, we're not going to bog down the pod with a lot of this stuff, but there's still so much money that they have coming their way because of the Pac-12 and making the tournament and NCAA tournament units and representation. Like, it's tens of millions of dollars, uh, let alone the football stuff. Like, they, they've got this weird setup where it's just two schools. They've got a lot of money. How are they going to make this work where they can still kind of get theirs but put themselves in the best possible situation? I don't I personally don't foresee a situation where they remain bifurcated, where you've got football uh, continually in the Mountain West. W- WCC doesn't have football, obviously. So uh, what? They just they continue to be Mountain West programs, but they're in the WCC and everything else? I'm not saying it's impossible, and I know the WCC is rooting for that outcome, but uh, in talking to sources, and, and I co line this with uh, with a Dodd father, Dennis Dodd, Mountain West is definitely interested in, in partnering with the schools across the board long term But I just don't think they're close on on really lining that up. Will it affect Gonzaga? Uh, Maybe Gonzaga's in a weird spot. I mean, it 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 doesn't have it a standing invitation to leave the league. Uh, If it gets one, I think it will. But uh, to be determined on whether that's gonna happen, I'm not. uh, I'm not convinced there. The only other thing that could play into this, and I haven't heard any noise on this to be clear though, like the Big East is about to start engaging uh, with its media deal because it's up uh, in a couple of years, and with that, you know, talks between Big East powers and, and TV people will be, are you going to stay at 11? Like, it's great. You have Yukon this time. You didn't have Yukon last time, uh, or will you try and get Gonzaga? Um, uh, many Big East presidents have not been in favor of Gonzaga because it just, it's purely a geographical thing. Everything else, Gonzaga, you know, was told many times if Gonzaga was literally, you know, located in Iowa, or, or or Nebraska or Missouri, like it would have been in Biggies long ago. But it's on the other side of the country, and you've got Olympic sports, non-revenue sports to, to keep in mind with that. So, well, l-
1: well, let me ask you this, and then I promise we'll move on. And tell me if I'm the first person who ever thought of this. Why not just move Gonzaga to Iowa? Yeah.
0: <laughs> See, that's the that's the kind of thinking that 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 university needs. Just why up- not just move to
1: just Why not move Gonzaga New to New York, York, York. City? Yeah. yeah. It, why not make move Gonzaga? To Midtown Manhattan and make the Zags the premier Big East team in the heart of the Big East.
0: Can we get a word from our partners?
1: I'm just saying.
2: Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you.
1: Is being rooted and tied to Spokane helping or hurting Gonzaga? You tell me. <laughs> you know what? When In you think ser- about it, it's I not as dumb as you think.
0: In all seriousness, it, it it does hurt it on some level. You're not you're not wrong about that. So if you want to uproot the entire infrastructure of a university, that yes. is, let's well, hold on. Let's check something real quick. Gonzaga trivia time ourselves. What year was Gonzaga founded? Let's. I'm gonna say. I'm gonna say 1914. I got no idea. What's your guess?
1: I think like. 2006.
0: Stop. Give me a real answer. I'm saying I'm saying 1914. How old do you think Gonzaga is?
1: It, it doesn't look a day over 60. 60? No, I'm going to say Gonzaga was founded in 1904. Gonzaga was founded. You're way off. Way. 1887. Off. 1987. No, 1887. Oh. No. I was like, shit, I'm older than Gonzaga. I thought I was older than Gonzaga for a minute. Turns out I'm not. You're not holding is that. 1887. Yeah. I, you know what? Hold yeah. on, I said 1904. That's not way off. That's, That's pretty true. close. <laughs> <laughs> That's not a hates North Carolina. Hates my totally reasonable guesses.
3: <laughs> he he uh, again. I could have said something about you paying for your gifts to be wrapped, but I have I've left that out today. Oh, that's happening. That's happening this weekend.
0: Save it for the end of the show. No, I was feeling a little squirrely here. Oh, by the way, it was mentioned in the chat. I will say this is going to happen. I don't know. The Florida State's meeting to try and like blow up the ACC. And lose. And there's, also, there's also that whole thing. That's football driven. But yes, there, there's also everything with FSU trying to, you know, it has failed to get out of an ACC rights contract here for years. And suddenly, because it doesn't get an invite to the CFP, they're going to meet, meet again and pretend like this can happen. <laughs>
1: They're going to move, it's f- move hilarious. It, it really is. And, this and is how about be- this? They're mad. They want to leave their league. They want to pay hundreds of millions of dollars to leave their league because they like left out of the college football playoff without recognizing. As so, This will never happen again. I what know. just happened to you? <laughs> you? It's a 12-team playoff starting next season. And if you're really the king of the ACC, you could go every year.
0: I know. Oh,
1: man, it's just... it's. Too oh, and rich. by the way, the reason you got left out of the playoff ain't because you're in the ACC. It's because your quarterback broke his leg.
0: They're wild down there. It's going to be a public spectacle. Many people are going to listen to this podcast long after it's gone live, but it's going to be a public spectacle on Friday morning because it's a state school, and, and this thing has to be broadcast so it's publicly viewable. They're out of their minds down there. But but you know what? In all sincerity, like best of luck to you if you boy, do boy. it. Uh, it will be
1: unprecedented, and, and what what are we even doing? What here? if they say? What if they say today in the meeting they say, you know what? We're out of the ACC. We know Gonzaga just moved to New York City. We're moving to Spokane. I was just uh, same wavelength. Take Florida, <laughs> Florida
0: State. Spokane. Take Florida State. They but, already they already got the infrastructure. They already got the buildings. We'll they've already got a nice basketball
1: arena. <laughs> <laughs> they got a better basketball arena than we do. Right. Florida State's moving to Spokane. To join whatever league it has imagined is better than the ACC for How
0: about them. This? FSU or the WCC. We just made
1: yes. it yeah, <laughs> You FSU is want it out? I like it now. Yeah. Okay. We're out. We're out. Look at us now, future WCC football champs, and and Gonzaga is going to move to Midtown Manhattan and join the Big East. You ain't getting that. You ain't That's getting that anywhere else. Kenel
0: heard it here first. There yeah. we go. Can right. we? It's it's time games. for
1: the final four and one. Final four and one is presented by FanDuel Sportsbook. Make every moment more. Oh, it's a it's a hotly co- hey, the final four and one more competitive than Kentucky Louisville. <laughs> you, you got that correct. 16, 13, and one. That's my record. And that's your record. Side mount. We got a side mount situation. I thought I had an insurmountable lead. I was mounted. I don't know that I've been surmounted. No, you've but I've side- been mounted. I've been side mounted. But this is the week where I pull away. I'm quite certain of it. Game one, Friday, 9 p.m. Eastern. Number 13, Illinois versus Missouri inside the Chuck Berry Center. You can watch it on FS1. FanDuel has it. Illinois minus six and a half. Chuck Berry is a wild dude. You want to expound on that or are you good? Do you know how Chuck Berry was a wild dude? You want to inform our audience? He went to prison for three years for transporting a 14-year-old girl across state lines for the purposes of sexual intercourse. And this is the person that you're choosing to invoke in the Final horn One. He's also like one of the greatest rock and rollers we've ever had. Correct. Dead leg. I'm, I'm, very, I'm very familiar. Do you with- know after Chuck Berry got out of prison, he, op- he bought a restaurant, and they subsequently found video cameras in the women's restroom? And and the videos from those cameras at his home, Chuck Berry was a wild guy.
0: You could have you could have just given Kim English the arena here. <laughs> Jenna <laughs> Fisher,
1: I probably should have just went with Jenna Fisher.
0: There you go. Yeah, he probably should have. All
1: right, let's do that again. Game one, Friday, nine p.m. Eastern. Number thirteen, Illinois versus Missouri, inside the Jenna Fisher Center. Shouts to the office. You can watch it on FS1. FanDuel has it. Illinois minus six and a half.
0: Missouri has won four of the past five in the Bragg and Wright series here. Uh, but the Tigers are seven and four and in, I would say desperate need of a good win here. Um, if it did go that way for Missouri, this would, this would be a soil, soil mark for sure on Illinois resume. Um, it's six and a half. I'll be quick on this. I've seen Illinois in person this season. Uh, I've not seen Missouri in person, but I don't think that matters. I will go with Brad Underwood's Fighting Illini to get the job done here, and they win and cover. But this is this is a rivalry game. You never know what can happen. Missouri's won four of the past five. A Mizzou win would not surprise me at all. But I will ride with the Illini to to win and cover.
1: Mizzou's been a bit of a disappointment this year. Um, seven and four losses are to Kansas, Memphis, Seton Hall. I guess nothing terrible there. Although Memphis was at home, um, Jackson State—that's the one you don't want. They do have wins over Pitt, Minnesota. So, you know, they lost the top four scores from last season's team, uh, and you know, Sean East has made a big statistical jump. But outside of that, the team's just not doesn't appear to be as good. How about this? On December twenty second last year, Mizzou improved to eleven and one with a twenty two point win over Illinois. On December twenty second of this year, Mizzou's seven and four and. You know, a sizable underdog to Illinois. A lot can change in one year, Dead Leg. If you say so. I do say so. Terrence Shannon looking like possible first-team All-American. I'll lay the points. <laughs> possible? possible yeah he's he's in the he's in the all-american
0: conversation meaning he is he's been a top 15 player this season for sure
1: 20.9 points on 50% shooting from the field he's above 41% from 3 above 80% from the free throw line for a team that i've got ranked in the top 10 in the country what else do you want him to do i need him to drop a 40 point game all right maybe that's what happens this weekend inside the jenna fisher center i'll lay the points with illinois as well game 2 Friday 9 p.m Eastern Maryland at UCLA inside Reeves Nelson Pavilion of course
0: what was his new name we do this every year he changed his name I looked it up okay I uh, Reeves give Nelson me, give me the hold on. give me the first two letters of the of the of the new name so hold on is it does it invoke a bird
1: I mean maybe this could be a bird. I don't know all birds. Uh, I don't know all species of birds. Okay, man. I know some of them. Give me like the third I, letter. I know the blackbird and the pigeon. Give me the third letter. S O P. Um.
0: Yeah. I know it, but I'm it's 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 dangling too far away from me. What is
1: Reeves Nelson? now goes by so far one. Oh no, I didn't have that. So so. Far one? s o p h a u r so far one. I'll have you know. I watched part of an interview last night with So far one on YouTube. <laughs> you really he's got now into-, into he's now into yoga. That doesn't sound that surprising. yeah, I think if you change your name to So far one, like one of the things you have to do first is get into yoga. Like when you go before the judge, you're like, you want to change your name from Reeves Nelson to what? Um, So far, one, your honor. And the next question is, how into yoga are you? No,
0: it's it's let me see your downward dog right now.
1: Yeah. And then you got to do that. Uh, Yeah. You got to do that in front of the judge. And he's like, all right. um, Name change granted. Court adjourned. And he does that thing with that thing. The gavel. Gavel. Yeah. (laughs) Court adjourned. Court adjourned. Good luck down the road. So far, one. I tell you what, UCLA sure could use a Reeves Nelson these days.
0: <laughs> yeah, uh, this this game is, this is a yikes. Since UCLA minus three and a half. According to FanDuel,
1: <laughs> make every moment more.
0: Maryland also, uh, this loser, this one, it's over. It's over for them. It's over for them, Johnny. It's done. Oh, boy. I have no idea how the hell to pick this game. I do. I know exactly how to pick it. I figured you would. I, I, I will. I will give the greatest coach in the history of UCLA the benefit of the doubt. I will. I will pick UCLA to win and cover.
1: Even after he spent part of his last post game explaining the reason my roster sucks is because we couldn't pod players because we didn't have enough money. How about Mick Cronin comparing? UCLA
0: basketball, a blue blood program to the Cincinnati Reds. He basically said, like someone asked him, I, I wish I could have the quote here up in front of me. I just didn't have it. But he was like, hey, listen, what, what's, you know, why is it all this? And then he basically goes, you think, you know, I tried to get this player. I tried to get this player. Couldn't get him. You know, every everyone wanted Shohei Otani. The Dodgers got him, not the Reds. Right.
1: UCLA <laughs> is not the Reds. I mean, he did, like, you tell me. Make sure I'm interpreting this correctly. He more or less, the question was along. he has seven freshmen. UCLA has seven freshmen on the roster. Like, their leading scorer is Sebastian Mack, who is averaging a team high 15 points per game. He was ranked 66th in the class of 2023. All due respect to Sebastian Mack, at UCLA, if your leading scorer is a freshman who was ranked 66th in the high school class, something has gone wrong. So if 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 your leading score is going to be a freshman at UCLA, it needs to be Kevin Love, not Sebastian Mack, right? So the question was something along the lines of: d- Does this type of start or does this type of result make you you know second guess or question reconsider roster construction? And Mick said, "We did what we could do." <laughs> and then he said he said but is your question would i have liked to have had some older experienced players out of the transfer portal sure but you know everybody would like to have shohei otani the dodgers get him not the cincinnati reds he more or less said i would have loved to have been in the market for a hunter dickinson or a Ma- max or A. smith or uh david jones or a javon quinterly or uh kylan boswell you name it right Boswell's not the answer. You get the, the Jaden Bradley, the other one. You
0: got Mick tampering
1: with Arizona now. Yeah, <laughs> no, Brad, Bradley, the other one. I would have loved to have been in the market for those high level transfers, but that cost money. And at UCLA, we do not have that kind of money available to us. That's what he said, right?
0: It basically that's that's what he's saying. And he said the same thing to me,
1: like on the record at the Peach Jam earlier this year. So yeah. You know what that you know what that is? The type of thing that makes you go? It makes it when Louisville calls you and says we're going to pay you more money than you're making, and we're going to give you all the NL money you need. It's the type of thing that makes you listen. Yeah, well, you know, you know what? You lose to Maryland. You're not Louisville. Might
0: not be calling. Although, hell, maybe they will. What do I? Know?
1: How about, oh, let's yeah, maybe stop here. For, let's, let's
0: actually makes you Louisville
1: material. Let's stay, let's stop here for a second because we might have different opinions on this. If I'm Louisville, nothing that happens at UCLA this season would make me not want to hire Mick Cronin if I knew he could come, would come. Like, I just wouldn't care. I would just look at the big picture. Yeah, I wouldn't yeah, care. I yeah, maybe. Yeah, maybe. I, I don't know if he'll be at the... He'll be,
0: he'll be a name involved, I would think. Um, Yeah. But if it goes, like, really bad, I don't know. Like, it's also about... Think about... Oh, man, we, we're back on Louisville again. Think about where the program is right now. And then let's say, like, Cronin goes... I don't know, wins fifteen games. You are going to hire Mick Cronin to come lead your program after he's coming off winning fifteen games at UCLA. That's not exactly going to get people jacked up for it. I think. That's so what are, you gonna,
1: what are you going to trust? That Mick Cronin is now a bad coach because he had a bad year, or that the entire body of work suggests this guy is is one of the best coaches in the country? And um, we would have killed to hire him a year ago. We changed our opinion that dramatically because he got caught with seven freshmen. Would
0: you rather have Mick Cronin after not making the tournament or Dusty May after like six years, say so he gets to the tournament with FAU? Which, one, which would you rather have in that scenario if you're a little?
1: You're telling me You're telling me in March I'm hiring Dusty May as is or Mick Cronin as is.
0: Correct. With Dusty having made the tournament with FAU and Mick Cronin not making the tournament with UCLA.
1: I think Dusty would be the splashier one. Yes. Mick has more of an established track record. He just does. He does. Okay, good deal. I honestly don't know what I would do there. I'm not trying to like talk out of it's both sides. Not, of
0: the I'm not saying it's going to be either guy.
1: Might not be either. I would be if I'm Louisville. I'd be thrilled with either one of those. Um, I don't know if I if I could genuinely pick between them. I don't know what I would do, but I do think Dusty coming off back to back nice runs would would play better than Mick coming off theoretically a for the sake of this conversation a bad season. But I don't think that. That alone should make it clear. I just – I want to say it was – go look at when Mark Turgeon got hired out of Wichita State. I want to say it was like after a not great year. And I I remember going – whoever hired whoever did this is smart because they're not focused on this not great year they're just looking at the big picture and that he- this guy's yeah. been running you're right a, p- a pretty good program
0: I got to the sweet 16 and oh six he returned in 0607 and uh wichita state went 17 and 14 uh and turgeon was hired away at that point to go to texas a&m i remember thinking went to i remember Street thinking that's
1: smart that's yeah. an athletic director that didn't get caught up on we well, just had a bad year it's like this guy's good He's been good. Yes, this last season wasn't great, but this is still a good basketball coach. I remember. Th- hey, hey, I, I don't think was Billy Donovan, and I know it's apples to oranges, but like was Billy Donovan's last year at or uh, Brad Stevens' last year at was was Brad Stevens coming off a great year when the Boston Celtics hired him?
0: Stand by. I don't think it was. Uh, I got you right now. Here we go. Brad Stevens leaves. He was uh, no, they six seed. They were they were six seed in the in their first year in the A10. He had a good year.
1: Yeah, I'm just saying. I don't get. I if I think somebody's good, I don't get caught up on what just happened over the past three months, particularly when it can be easily explained. At UCLA, what is the problem? I'll just take Mick at his word. They lost a lot of players, a lot of meaningful players from a good team. They didn't have money to go into the transfer portal and get comparable talent, so they had to rely heavily on high school players and international prospects. And life is hard these days when you got to do that.
0: You have to pick this game, by the way. Damn it! I mean, we've, you, we've side, we've taken side streets for a five-minute detour here. Pick the game, Maryland
1: plus three and a half. <laughs> After all that, <laughs> of, course. of course, game three, please. I mean, Mick just told his players very publicly, "I wanted people other than you. You're the best I could do." That's gotta, that's gotta make an impact. Yes. Oh, game three, best
0: one of the weekend. Here we go,
1: Saturday. 3 p.m. Eastern, number four Arizona versus number 14, Florida Atlantic. Inside Greg Maddox Arena. You can watch it on Fox. Why what am I not tracking here? This is in Vegas. Greg Maddox went to high school in Las Vegas. <laughs> okay. And makes his home, I believe, in Las Vegas. Obviously. <laughs> okay. Greg Maddox, I don't believe, was born in Las Vegas, but he did he did spend his high school years in Las Vegas. Okay. You can watch this one on Fox. Kin Palm has it. Arizona minus
0: seven. Arizona beat Alabama. 87, 74 on Wednesday night. I was able to scoot home in time to, I how about this? I walk in, turn on the TV. It, we're like, like two minutes into the second half. And I want to say Dan was down two, And I was like, all right, it, it, it's, it's been, they, they're keeping it close. And it, they had, apparently it started the game. Uh, on an open like nine, nothing. And Arizona didn't even hit a bucket for the first, like five minutes of the game. From the time I turned on the television, it was all Arizona. Like they just, they dominated the second half. There I uh, was able to pull away uh, quick note on Bama. It is six and five and it's debatable whether it will have a quad one non con win. But yet, even when you just go with in season data, it's eighth as a Friday morning at Torvik with a six and five record. It is playing really good teams close. It can't beat anybody. Good. Um, Alabama, a team to keep an eye on, a similar mold potentially to Villanova from a resume perspective. Uh, Balo played really well against Bama, uh, 16 points, 12 boards there. And this is an awesome game. And a game, I think we mentioned this in the offseason, uh, Dusty May worked hard to get this game. Then Arizona called it off, and then it took another six weeks for convincing them for it to happen. <laughs> Which is understandable. Like now that we see Arizona's schedule in, in totality, this is its sixth game against the top twenty-five Ken Palm team. I actually get why, but Tommy Lloyd eventually, as we talked on a recent episode, was just like, "Eff it, I don't care, <laughs> just play anyone." So I, hey Tommy, thank you for this because you are giving us the best game or the best matchup of, of the weekend as we head into uh, Christmas on a uh, on an okay Saturday, not a great Saturday. There, this will be FAU's sixth game against, you know in effect, a top 60 Ken Palm team. Butler is 61st as of Friday morning, but Butler's also a pretty solid team here. So FAU has done well for itself in the non-con uh, as well. Uh, I, I just... Well, you know what? An FAU win would not be a stunner, but when you look at how Arizona plays, its size, its shooting ability, getting up and down the floor, there, I think this has wonderful potential to... And this is the case with a lot of Arizona games like it was last week... With Purdue and 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 prior to that, and even along with Bama, um, even though it was a little more low scoring, Arizona like this could be uh, up and down seventy five possession game. Points really pile up here, but the line being seven, I, I will I will take Zona to cover that. Um, if it was eight, I might actually flip it. Real, it feels really close, GP. But uh, I just I, I like Zona too much uh, not to uh, to take him to win and to cover. But we'll see if FAU, if FAU were to win this one. Like they've been on the radar plenty. It's not going to like people aren't going to sit up and start taking notice. But that, if FAU were to beat Zona this weekend, that would be the kind of result that might pivot some perspective to be like, no, like this team made a Final Four last season, and you tell me you can't make it after beating Zona. But we'll see if it can do it. Cross country trip, last major tilt of the non-con for the Owls. Who you got?
1: You're going to give seven points to a Final Four team? I am. I mean, that's disrespectful. I mean, what in the world? This is also game three, so. I mean, what in the world? Is disrespectful. Florida, hey, there's a lot of debate. Maybe the biggest debate in the offseason. Where should Florida, uh, Florida Atlantic, where should FAU be ranked in the preseason? They started 36 at Ken Palm. Now up to 12. They're moving the right direction. Scooting on up. Scooting on up. Do that thing with your thumbs again. <laughs> no, let's keep going, please. That was a wild deal. We two more games to pick, and we're past the hour. I, I, oh, hold on! Just let me let me think through this real quick. I can get a team that went to last season's final four, returned all five starters, and has the hottest mid-major coach in America plus seven points. That's what I can get. Yeah,
0: but that, enough about Dusty May's looks. Well, who are you picking for the game?
1: That's available to me. Dusty May's a good-looking man too. I mean, if you want to talk about that, it sounds like you do. You think Dusty makes a good-looking man, right? Of course, yeah, yeah. yeah. Tommy we, Lloyd, uh, good, Tommy Lloyd's a good-looking man.
0: Many years ago, and we're going back six or seven years. We 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 did a we did an impromptu ranking of some of the hottest coaches in college basketball, and we will do it again, but it will not be today. Pick we,
1: we lost Jay Wright. That's, that's a tough to overcome.
0: It, yeah. I think I fun. had Tony Bennett uh, as a one seed as well. Anyway, yeah, <laughs> clearly, clearly,
1: I, I just. I, Give me my owls. You know I'm riding with my owls. Owls plus seven. Okay. Game four. Saturday, four p.m. Eastern. You're sick
0: for picking this game.
1: Why did you pick this? Who do you work for? I know who I work for. Who do you work for? Is this on CBS? America's Most Watched Network, the network of stars. <laughs> Deadleg, maybe be a company man every once in a while. This is on CBS. All right, let's go. Oh, uh, let, te- let me text the bosses. Hey, at the 104 mark, <laughs> look at Norlander, look right at me and go, why did you pick? Hey, you know who else picked this game? One of our bosses. <laughs> yeah, they
0: weren't thinking Vandy would be like this, though.
1: One of our bosses picked this game. You're asking me why I picked it. Oh, uh, why'd you pick this stupid game? Well, go ahead and go ahead and throw the line out there on this one. By the way, Vanderbilt at number twenty three, Memphis inside Gary Parish Forum. Stop. Uh-uh. Nope. 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 What
0: Absolutely not. Not What's allowed. Wrong? You're not. You're not naming the arena after yourself.
1: Not allowed. Why not? Why not? I fit the criteria. <laughs> Remember when Isaiah Thomas said, I fit the criteria. I fit the criteria. I fit the, I fit the criteria.
0: That was the biggest load of
1: crap I've ever heard. Not allowed. It's Gary Parrish Forum. You can watch it on CBS. It's America's most watched network. It's the network of stars. Kim Palm has it. Memphis minus twenty.
0: This has to be the biggest spread we've ever done for a Final Four one game in the regular, at least in the regular season, because we do some tournament stuff. But twenty. It's on America's most watched With network. Ball, give me Vandy inside the number twenty. Give me Stackhouse. I'll
1: take it. Oh, that's disrespectful.
0: It 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 is, but give me Stack. I mean, it's twenty points.
1: I think oh, I hope this ends when up on the, the Memphis Facebook out, page.
0: I'll say this line is. I'll say it's 14 and a half when it comes out. 20s, and it won't be 14 and a half because normally the line will be closer to the predict. But I'll... 16 and a half,
1: maybe? Give me Vandy inside of 20. Vanderbilt is 235th at Kinpom after starting 77th? How does that happen? Like, seriously, how does that happen? (laughs) They're terrible. What do you want me to say? What do you mean, how does that... Look at the schedule. They've got the worst Kinpom number... Of <laughs> any power conference to. team in the country, they are a hundred and thirty, some like hundred and thirty something spots worse than everybody else in the SEC.
0: Presbyterian, they 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 opened up with a loss by six at home
1: to Presbyterian, blue Hose. But you don't want to enter a hot seat season and then have this happen to you, do you? Nope. In That's fact, so. all seriousness,
0: Kenny Payne, and Louisville have take have diverted all the attention away. Right from this situation right here, this is not good whatsoever.
1: Yeah, I'll lay the points with with Memphis. You know, this will be um, an opportunity for for Memphis to to pick up another win over a power conference team. Memphis, this is going to be the Tigers' ninth game against a power conference team. Um, they've beaten Missouri, Arkansas, Texas A and M. So this will give him a, a fourth win over an SEC school, lost at an undefeated Ole Miss. So the, the the resume that Penny Hardaway wanted to put together, he is now actually putting it together. As long as they don't really mess this thing up in one of these last non-league games, both of which they're easily expected to win, they'll head into the AAC with um, um feeling good about how they have done everything they needed to do to set themselves up to, to have a, a nice seat in the NCAA tournament, provided they you know, don't take too many or any bad losses in the league. I'll lay the 20 with Memphis inside FedEx Forum. They're rolling right now. They look good. They just smacked. They just covered 20 against Virginia. I'm going to assume they can cover 20 against Vandy.
0: I'll take Vandy. Stop
1: disrespecting me, bro. Sorry, Penny.
0: Other games to know tonight, Friday at 5 o'clock. 10-1 Nevada against ninety one TCU at the Diamond Head Classic. That's actually a pretty good Friday tilt. I almost went with that one, but uh, but there's a higher profile matchup we're going to get to. And then on Saturday, a couple of Big East games to know. Butler of Providence at noon. Uh, two 10-2 two teams going down in the dunk. That's a, that's a Fox game. And so is uh, 2 o'clock Seton Hall at Xavier. Musketeers trying to dodge being a sub-500 team. Our and one Saturday, 8 Eastern on Fox. St. John's at number five, UConn going down on Ron Francis court. Who is Ron Francis? Gary Parish
1: used to play drums for Dave Matthews.
0: How dare you? That's Carter Beaufort and still does. Uh, no Ron Francis. Any other guesses? Why would I pick Ron Francis for the St. John's at UConn game?
1: Because, um, that's Jim Calhoun's cousin. If it is, it's news to me and probably Ron Francis.
0: You're talking about the all-time best player in the history of the Hartford Whalers. Almost 2,000
1: career points, man. Yeah, I thought that was um, Connor Bedard. (laughs) He just entered the league. Oh. Oh, Then (laughs) Then Mario Mario Lemieux. Franchise for 28 years. I thought Mario Lemieux, probably.
0: Ron Francis shouts, Ken Palm line is UConn minus 12 at home. This isn't gamble. This is XL. Ron's, Ron Francis Court, Ken Palm, UConn minus twelve versus the Johnnies. Rick Pitino uh, said in his post game after beating Xavier that he questioned his fans' intelligence because they were chanting "We want UConn," not publicly backing his guys heading into the game against the Huskies, who are going to be uh, potentially uh, shorthanded because of Klingon, uh, but no doubt pissed off. What do you got?
1: That's a lot of points to be given, Rick Patino. It is with a with a. Uh, unclear with his availability, Donovan Klingan. That's right. Yeah, I've got to take 12 points on Rick Patino. I apologize to Dan Hurley. I, I apologize. I, will, I want to respect champions, but, <laughs> but can, it's Rick Patino and it's 12 can, points.
0: Respect champions, but still think that UConn will merely win by nine points here. I will remind you that this is a league game. UConn in the non-league? different situation altogether. They're killing everyone except Kansas. They, they, they refuse to play a close game, but in the big East, although, <laughs> oh, for one, I'm playing close games so far. You <laughs> can see it all. I will also, I got to join you on this. 12, 12 is a lot. I will go with the Johnnies to cover the 12. And that's a final
1: four and one. You want to question any other decisions any of our other bosses have made?
0: No, I'm I'm good. Um, you want to engage in any other kind of narc behavior? I'm sorry. We could delete that part. No, you're good. We could delete that. Part. <laughs> I, I, honestly, on some level, they're probably like,
1: "Well, it's a 20 point spread. I didn't see this one coming. <laughs> no one saw Andy being four and seven. Hey, two former NBA players on the sideline, though. You know what? That's true. Two more recognizable coaches in college basketball coming to America's most watched network. That's
0: that's true. And, and I don't, you know, we're so far removed from it. Um, But two of the more culturally significant Hoopers of the 90s as well. If you weren't around young ones, Penny Hardaway and Jerry Stackhouse were major cultural basketball figures in that decade, unquestionably.
1: And what I've been told. According to sources, it is if the game gets lopsided in the second half. Yeah, we will just show Penny Hardaway and Jerry Steckhouse highlights from the yeah, 90s. Yeah, we just gonna, we're just going to come back and I and Eagle is going to send it straight to YouTube and we're just going to watch Penny Hardaway and Jerry Steckhouse highlights. Right? right. Hey, right up until it's time for your local news.
0: We need to get out of here. But before we do, it is the last show before Christmas. I want to wish everyone watching and listening a wonderful holiday season. However you're celebrating with a, with whomever you're celebrating, we appreciate you so much. Parrish, how much are you dreading the holiday season coming up? Are you I'm looking not dreading it, it, it at all?
1: I okay. feel pretty good about it. Sometimes,
0: you know, we do the we do the last show before Christmas and you got a whole thing about like I got to pay people to wrap my kids' presents and yeah. you know, my wife wants four different trees inside our house cuz yeah. yeah, all that kind yeah, of stuff. Yeah, still dealing okay.
1: with all that, but I've come to terms with it. Okay. It comes in terms of. I'm feeling pretty good. Like I got a couple more things I need to do today, and then, uh, you know, got the top 25 and one every morning. I don't know if you know this. I am. Uh, I'm aware. Got to do that every morning. But outside of that, you know, we, we get to breathe a little bit and spend time. You know, I don't have to get on a plane again for a week or so. So um, yeah, get to get to breathe a little bit. I'm feeling good. I'm I'm looking forward to the holiday weekend.
0: You know what? Hmm. I'm gonna pluck one question from our mailbag because since this is before Christmas and I'm going to put it right here to wrap the show. Okay. So, Tyler Memphis wrote to us. He said, do you have a preferred holiday music album or compilation? And I wanted to give a, a little heads up. Not the mainstream ones. I got I got four of them for you that aren't like super, super popular. Okay. Do you have one, by the way? Or no? Do you have yeah. Like, I think I've asked you this before. Do you have like a holiday album that you like to go to?
1: Yeah. What is it? Scissor SOS. Okay. That's your holiday go-to? Yep. Okay. We open presents listening to Scissor. We like her
0: around here. Okay.
1: I got four. I got
0: four other ones for you that are not in the same genre. Uh, (laughs) The most popular one, uh, Trans-Siberian Orchestra, Christmas Eve and Other Stories. Kind of popular, but that's a good one. That's a good one. Uh, Bela Fleck and the Fleck Tones, Jingle All the Way. Christmas is Percy Faith. is like my favorite instrumental Christmas album. And then... Uh, bare naked ladies, bare naked for the holidays. That's a good hey,
1: one. Hey, didn't Scott wyland do a Christmas album? He
0: might have, but it's not
1: in the rotation. If that's the case, okay. Those would be my favorites then: Scissor S.O.S. and Scott Weiland's Christmas album. Okay, we, we rotate them in and out.
0: Would you rather? Would you rather have to wrap fifteen presents yourself, or be responsible for taking all of the ornaments and disposing of the Christmas tree? Which would you rather do if you have to do one or the other?
1: Give me those options again.
0: You have to wrap fifteen presents by yourself of no. varying sizes and shapes, or you have to take all the ornaments, all the lights off the tree,
1: and dispose of the
0: tree. You have to do one or the other. Which one are you doing? And I know you any labor.
1: Dispose of the tree because I could actually do that. It would take a it would take time, would. but like all you have to do is take an ornament off. I can't wrap things. I don't know where to cut
0: the ornament. You got to put the ornaments back where they go. You got to put them away back into the storage situation. The whole thing.
1: Oh, nothing ever gets put away over here. Like You kidding me? That'll be sitting in a hall by the attic. In a hall by the attic. That's where stuff goes around here. No, I could take ornaments off. I just, um, I couldn't, I couldn't cut paper. I, w- I don't know how to wrap anything. I don't know where the tape goes. I don't know wh- where to cut the paper. I don't know how to fold it. Just, it's just, it's a lot. I'm to- just seeing the chat. <laughs>
0: just...
1: It's just tough. Oh,
0: <laughs> oh my goodness, that's good stuff. Okay, <laughs> you're getting
1: called out for calling SZA Scissor. <laughs> it's S Z A Scissor. However you say, I'm from Mississippi. What do you mean to do SZA. And you also get into this little gray area where if you start trying to over pronounce certain words, you get into like it sounds like you're overcompensating for something. <laughs> Hey, you want to put on the of oh, record? Scott Weiland's Christmas album. Those are my two favorites. That's what we'll be listening to. Oh, as, buddy, you know, it out here. Okay, Sunday night.
0: Ah, <laughs> uh, that's a show. I think that's yeah. a show. Everyone have a wonderful, wonderful holiday season. To those who celebrate Hanukkah, that is since past. Hope you had a, a great one. Kwanzaa, Christmas, the whole deal. We appreciate you. We got a mailbag episode coming. Soon in the coming days But that'll be after Christmas We give you an extra long Friday episode Just because we love you that much
1: I actually don't care If you have a great Christmas I do, I do. It, does, it will have no impact on my life Whatsoever you know what? But I, I root for
0: our listeners To have great things happen to them So they are in good moods And are engaging in our content Whenever they find our podcast
1: Doesn't matter to me at all Okay Not wishing anybody bad holidays Not, not doing that Why would I But it doesn't On the list of things That matter to me right now Way down there Way down there, shouts to Devin Downey, shouts to Chester, South Carolina, shouts to Terry, a legend, shouts to Huck Larnell, Santa Claus, and Scott Wyland, shouts to SZA. <laughs> <laughs> it's a great album. It's a great album. Gets you, gets me in the holiday spirit. When she says, I only F him because I miss ah, you. Let's go. It gets me in the holiday spirit. <laughs> let's go. If you're not subscribed, please go subscribe anywhere you subscribe to podcasts, including Apple and Spotify. There's more of us than there are of them. Santa Claus, yeah. one of us. Santa Claus, one of us. Yeah. How do you think you got all those elves? <laughs> no, they're not his children. Yes, they are. All the elves are his children. Yes. Yes. Oh my gosh! People don't know that.
0: That's. I, I'm pretty sure that he's got. he got like 500 of
1: them. No, 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 no. No, that's Tyreek Hill. Stop. You're thinking of Tyreek Hill. We're done. We You're thinking we of Tyreek not, Hill. I'm thinking I, of Santa Claus. Could not be more done. I'm thinking of Santa Claus. We'll see you later. Have a happy holiday. Bye. Bye.